Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Hey, man, grab a pint here and get going. Now, where did you just fly in from? Just Austin. Okay. Yeah. You want something? Sure. Whatever you guys yeah. are. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm having the half of ice, and he's having a... The El Grito, the... Lager. Uh, I'll try the El Grito. Oh, oh, oh. There it goes. No. Cut him off. That's the first time we've done that. That is the first time. We haven't had a... <laughs> Hasn't even begun. Now all of our gear will smell like beer. That's good. <laughs> That's what the company loves. Anywhere. Station wonder why are we buying so many beers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we spilled them all. Sure you did. Sure you did. We spilled them right down our throats. <laughs> Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. We are at the Red Fields Tavern this week. Uh, this is Jason Wheeler. Jason Whiteley's a little busy right now. He's just wiping off the microphones because uh, no sooner had we sat down here than he spilled his beer without even taking a sip. So I'm having a lager, and it's the same color as a table, so it was camouflaged <laughs> into the table. But before we I go, think your sight is, is going. I, I hadn't had a sip of it yet, so there's Jeez. beer smell all over our equipment, but it kind of goes with the Yolitics <laughs> uh, theme, over, you know, even though our managers probably won't appreciate the, uh, the beer smell. Let me take a quick side note for something else, though. Mm-hmm. Who in the world runs out of gas? Oh, geez. Full grown. Why does that have to come up? Are you kidding me? Is this because I mentioned that you spilled a beer? Yes. Okay. So, so you post on, what, Facebook or Twitter the other night, your empty... You know, yes. register on your car. It was an accident. It's how, just wait, like wait, wait, you, an accident. Does, does the meter not work? Remember how your 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 beer was full until you spilled it, and that was just an accident. And then you had a, an empty cup. Yeah, but the gas gauge isn't camouflage <laughs> in the dash. There, you can see it pretty clearly, and a light even comes on. Here's the thing: I was on my way to the gas station. How long did you wait? And I almost got there. Well, so, how long did you wait for a ride? Uh, I didn't wait for a ride. I called home and asked for the gas can to be brought to me uh, that we had in the garage. How ticked off was your wife? Oh, you can imagine how that went. <laughs> Mrs. Thrilled. Wheeler was hot probably, huh? Well, and the worst part of it is I was headed out to go do some exercise and so there I was in shorts and it was freezing cold outside too. Oh so gosh. haven't done that in uh, several years and I hope to not do that again for a long time because now people are telling me, you know, how bad that is for the car so, too. So I've, I've got still, a, I've got a question it. for you. How yeah. long have y'all been married? <laughs> you, you would think a long time. We're actually born like three or four days apart, three days apart. We use the same kind of luggage. We didn't know any of this The stuff. exact same brand. We almost always sit down and look at a beer menu when we do these and we both settle on the same beer it, you can hand us a beer list of 200 beers and we'll settle on the same beer every time so this time i i decided to have something different and i don't even remember what it is well, what I are you having it. i'm having the el grito this is um i got a hefeweizen that's what it yeah, is Yeah, you got the oak cliff hefeweizen yeah. i got the el grito that's from the uh 
Who is El Four Grito corners. Four corners. Uh, Four and, corners. And it's see, we finish our own sentence, uh, each other's sentences, too. And, and, and we're in the medical district we for are. a very specific reason. So Redfield's Tavern is a brand new place that's just in the shadow, just north of uh, Parkland Hospital. That's the huge new hospital here, This the new Parkland. The old Parkland is just across the street from it. That, of course, is uh, you know, famous for where they took President John F. Kennedy right. after he was assassinated. This is the county hospital for Dallas County. This is where everyone goes. Busy place, a especially those place. who don't have insurance. And that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, we've got Tom Banning. He is that other voice who asked us how long we've been married. Uh, he is the CEO of the Texas Academy of Family Physicians uh, here in the state. And uh, Tom, thanks for, for doing this with us today. And if you could just first lay out what is the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, because uh, a lot of people probably have not heard of it. Sure. It's a, a professional association. We've got about 8,000 members across the state, uh, practicing doctors, residents, medical students. Um, when you think about a, a family doctor, uh, it's a specialty. Uh, it's the uh, one specialty that sees you throughout the term of your life, mm-hmm. uh, from cradle to grave. And another thing that you all know, you don't just know us individually as patients, you know about what's going on with health care in this state. You know, health care, and more specifically health care cost, are really what's at the top of people's mind. It's a pocketbook issue. I mean, uh, you can think back, it was it five, seven years ago when gas prices spiked and everybody was angry at, at how much they were paying at the pump. Well, if you look at what the cost of health care and, and more importantly, health insurance premiums yes. have done over the last 20 years, they've doubled every 10 years. Uh, and that's just not sustainable. So you've got families that are now paying just for their premium between nineteen and twenty thousand dollars a mm. year. Um, that's a that's you know a new car uh, every year for the benefit of having health insurance. You talk about health care when it comes to politics. Everyone immediately thinks of the uninsured or they think of Obamacare. You just brought up a great point. Thousands of people have health insurance, but they can't afford to use it. And it's just known as underinsurance. Is that right? That's right. Uh, we're now at a point where again employers are saying. I cannot continue um, uh, these year-over-year cost increases. As an example, I've got nine employees that work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, our, our insurance premiums incre- increased 23%. So you're, so yours I'm, do too then? Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I'm paying $7,000 a month, uh, so $84,000 a year for nine people. And I've got an $8,000 family deductible. My employees have wow. a $3,500 deductible. When you look at what the Federal Reserve in Dallas, I believe it was in Dallas, put out, not too long ago, 60% of Americans don't have $400 in their savings account to pay for an emergency. So how are they supposed to pay that deductible for um, something that could bankrupt them? So uh, what gives then, Tom? Well, we in, in the U.S., we really have a non-system of care. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look around the, the world, uh, you've got organized ways of delivering care. You've got incentives that are aligned to really do what's best for the patient. Um, In the U.S., we've got a really good and amazing sick care system. So if you need a transplant, if you get cancer, if you have a catastrophic event, you want to be in the U.S. Um, uh, But, you know, in terms of managing the day-to-day chronic problems, um, coordinating care throughout the various 
groups or, or people that are going to touch you through your, your, your care continuum. It, it, we have a very disorganized or fractured system. This so is, That's a great point. Five to seven percent of our health care dollars are going to primary care. 38% of our healthcare spending is going to the hospitals. So that's what we're getting at at the heart of this. All of these people who are listening to us right now who are you know, yelling some amens as they're heading down the road, listening to what you're saying, like, yes, my premiums have gone through the roof to the point where when something's wrong with me, I don't go to the doctor or I don't pay for that medicine because I can't afford it because the premiums are killing me and the deductible I can't even talk about. And so they wait and wait and wait and wait until they get to a critical point point and then there they are in the hospital maybe parkland right down the street at a cost that is multiple times what it would have cost to manage that problem in the first place um, so we don't really focus on health you know and, and what things we can do or investments or services we can provide to keep people healthy we've got a system that uh, incentivizes doing things and those things cost a lot of money. So you're mentioning sick care is what we have. We don't have health care. That's right. So in, in December, just a couple of months ago, the Texas House of Representatives created a committee to start studying what's going on here. What could Texas be doing right now to drive down health care costs? Because I think Texas just ranked, what, dead last on access and affordability when it comes to health care? What yep. should the state be doing? Well, if you think about the population of Texas, um, the state of Texas is arguably the largest insurer of individuals in the state hmm. because of the retired employees. You're talking um, teachers, you're talking people who've worked for the, for the, the state, state for years. Correct. You could uh, align the universities, which you know creates even more patients. Um, and as a purchaser of healthcare, you could think differently about the contracts that you enter into with the hospitals, um, with the provider groups. Um, you could you could think differently about benefit packages that you're offering to your employees. That you know, there's a lot of fluff in uh, the the insurance product that people are buying. That that I have no choice uh, but what uh, to buy in, in the market because so, we really don't have a market. So and, and so, if Texas as this giant employer negotiated better prices, essentially, then that would lower it for you and I who don't work for the state of Texas or rely on the state of Texas. It could. Um, you know, healthcare. There's there are so many um, misaligned incentives in the business of medicine, and there are so many people that have their finger in the pot uh, or in the pie that, hmm. um, you know, uh, getting to, you know, total cost of care for the state of Texas, uh, you know, is, is, is one strategy. I mean, look, the, the, this problem didn't occur overnight. You know, it's, it's been going on for decades. Yeah. There was a there was an unbelievable uh, uh, editorial in Fortune magazine in 1970 that basically um, about said this. Yeah, that said that wow. the system system is broken. It's time for radical uh, reform. 50 years 50, ago. 50 well, years ago. So 50 years later, how would you describe the state of Texas healthcare? Uh, we've got some unbelievable physicians. We've got some unbelievable facilities, um, but it's not very well coordinated. Uh, and we have not had uh, at a state level a conversation of what we want our system to look like and aligning incentives around creating that system. Uh, I think that with the, 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 the cost committee that was appointed and with just sort of the tipping point that we're at, uh, both from an employer and an individual standpoint, I think that it's going to drive a lot of those conversations. Well, let's talk about driving stuff because what's driving up costs is what a lot of people, including myself, want to know. Why do these costs keep going up every year and my employer says, hey, we're you know footing more ourselves, but you also have to foot more? 
what's happening out there? Is it an aging population or what? So there is not an easy answer to that question. Um, and Should we order and, another beer now? <laughs> well, if you keep, let me keep talking. I might have to do that. Maybe a few more. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there are overlapping issues that compound the felony, so to speak. So um, you have got, you've had market consolidation with the hospitals, with the insurers, with the drug companies, with the physicians that create leverage for um, that entity that can drive prices. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at um, a lot of the national studies right now, um, you know, utilization of healthcare services has been relatively flat. Prices have gone up a ridiculous amount. Uh, Utilization is flat, but prices are going up? Sure. I mean, actually, inpatient hospital days have been going down. Mm -hmm. They rush you out now. So, you know, the way that you make up that revenue is you increase prices. And if you have the market leverage in a certain community, you can dictate the price that you want. And there are certain hospitals in this state that may charge, you know, 350% of what Medicare would pay for the same or similar service. Mm. And we have no insight into what those pricing games are because it's all hidden. Uh, it's it, There's no transparency. And, and to kind of going back to one of the things that I know that the uh, legislative committee is going to be looking at is uh, the price that we pay for care and opening up um, uh, it, it, some insight into the prices that we're paying and, and, and perhaps use some market forces to drive those patients with high deductibles to look for a better value in what they're getting. Tom, let's look at the landscape that, that we have here in Texas, though. Uh, we've got uh, roughly 5 million people who are accounted as uninsured here in the state of Texas, which by, the, by far leads the country. Uh, we have the state leading the charge right now to kill off uh, Obamacare. The state has not expanded Medicaid. You're talking to lawmakers. Take us behind the curtains a little bit. I mean, I'm sure you have conversations with Republicans. You have conversations with Democrats. Are they saying the same things to you about wanting to solve this? Is there a willingness there? I think that everybody knows that we have a problem. Um, You know, I think one of the fundamental or foundational issues that we have not discussed is whether health care is a right or it's a commodity. And right now it's both. I mean, if you're over 65 or you're under a certain um, income threshold, you're either eligible for Medicaid or you're eligible for Medicaid. I'm sorry, Medicare or eligible for Medicaid. And those are um, a, a guaranteed uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is an entitlement. I mean, you're, you're going to get that service. So it's for, a right. It's a right um, for everybody else. Um, you know, if your employer offers it and you can afford it or... If you're an individual and thrown to the individual market, it's, it's a matter of whether you can afford to buy it. Um, so, you know, the Democrats believe it's a, it's a right. Um, you know, our organization believes that it is a right and a moral good. Um, Republicans generally take a view of um, uh, it's a commodity and, and you know, market forces can uh, influence quality. It can influence cost. And, and, and while they may be right in, in many regards, um, you know, healthcare does not um, uh, operate like most commodities do. I mean, when you're sick or your family member's sick, you're going to hawk, hawk the family farm yeah. um, to, to get them care and the best care. Do you think the legislature is actually going to address something in regards to healthcare, in regards to all the people out there who have insurance who cannot afford to go and use it? You know, 
I think November is going to be consequential. Um, you know, for the the, the folks that want to expand Medicaid, and again, we're, we're supportive of expanding Medicaid and utilizing all of the federal dollars that, that, that are available. Um, but for the, the population that that would apply to, so 13% of Texans are um, probably uh, eligible for Medicaid expansion, um, they typically don't vote in Republican primaries. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 this is going to sound cynical, but, you know, there, there are a few, few ways that I view politics. And, and one is the first thing that a politician does when they wake up in the morning and the last thing they think about before they go to bed and everything that they do in between, the, the money they take, the, the hands they shake, is how is this going to affect my reelection campaign? Mm. Uh, and until there's um, political consequences or... Um, the Democrats can figure out how to weaponize um, uh, the uninsured issue or Medicaid expansion, then it's a zero-sum game. One thing that everyone does agree on, which you mentioned there, Tom, is, is transparency and costs. The right and the left both agree that we have to figure this out. The president has introduced, uh, the president didn't introduce it, but the president supported the introduction of the uh, uh, transparency and hospital costs. Where does that stand now? Uh, they are going, well, I think they've been sued by the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospitals don't, bottom line for this, if you don't know what it is, hospitals don't want to tell you how much an x-ray costs or another test costs, but both sides say that consumers have a right to know. It, it's, a, it's a losing proposition to stand against transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, in any, any functioning market, um, you know, you've got to have an understanding of what you're buying and what that price is. And right now that does not exist in, in healthcare. And what... You know, the proponents of keeping the status quo will say is, well, you know, people don't really care what they what what it costs because all they're paying is their their copay or their deductible. But as you've seen, deductibles double, triple, quadruple in the last five years. Crazy. People are paying attention because that is money out of their pocket. But they they don't know what to do about it, though. And, 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 And they don't know what's driving it exactly. Tom, you see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on that affect all of this. How furious, how feverish is the lobbying when we talk about health care costs? These lawmakers are getting pulled in every direction, aren't they? So they're, you know, we, we spend as a nation about $3.6 trillion on health care uh, a year. Um, there are 3.6 trillion reasons why people don't mm. want things to change. Um, again, that's not a, a long-term um, <laughs> good objective. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at you know what a lot of um, uh, academic research has found, you know somewhere around a third of the, the things that we do in healthcare add absolutely no value, are wasted, or are unnecessary. A third. A third. So one trillion dollars. Imagine what you could do in Dallas with one trillion. Well, not Dallas, but in the U.S. with one trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Is there any place that's getting it right, though? I think people are giving up on the politicians. They don't think they can change it themselves. Are there any incubators out there that you see where somebody seems to be getting something right or trying to break the system? There's a great example here in Dallas. Um, Dr. Christopher Crow started um, a group called Village MD or Village Family Practice uh, 12 years ago. Um, he has since left practice and, and built a network of about 750 independent primary care physicians um, that he is empowering them with technology, with data, 
uh, and with good referral management. So they're looking at, you know, where they're sending their patients to make sure they're not getting gouged, that they're mm-hmm. getting good quality. Um, uh, they have done some partnerships with, well, all of the, the major insurers, but um, uh, last week came out with a, a study that they did with United. Here in the Dallas market, they saved $75 million on their covered lives. Um, in East Texas, which they've got a group of, I want to say 150 uh, primary care physicians, in year one with just 5,000 uh, retired teachers, they saved, I believe it was $3.5 million. Mm-hmm. So. It's really equipping the doctors with good information to make decisions that's going to that's going to help their patient. How does it affect the patient, though, cost-wise? Are they noticing, uh, like, if I walk in there, am I noticing something different in the way that they do business? Probably not. Uh, but but from the people that are paying the bill, when you look at a trend that's going up eight percent per year, and they were four percent below flat, I mean that's a twelve percent savings that that their employer can use to reinvest in the business, to give raises, to do things that right now are, you know, flowing from away from the patient and, and into the pocketbooks of the healthcare system. Tom, explain how these doctors are doing that. Are, are they just better managing where they're sending their patients to? So. Um, you know, if you think back on the whole concept of managed care, um, you know, the idea was if, if, if the insurance companies could collect good information and good data, they'd be able to, to steer patients in a direction that um, uh, would, would better utilize those dollars. Well, they moved away from that a long time ago and, and are just, you know, basically managing money now. Uh, what these doctors have done is they've really gone back to the whole idea of um, patient um, uh, risk stratification so they can figure out, they know in real time if you're likely to go to the emergency room or someone is likely to have a heart attack um, and they can make interventions before that happens. Mm-hmm. So they can throw a care coordinator at them, they can throw a dietitian at them, they can put a lot of services around them that keeps them out of that, that, that costly hospital or that costly service. But the patient would have to go to the doctor routinely, right? Not, not really. really? Um, so you know, one of the best examples that they have is um, generally when a, a, a physician writes a prescription and gives it to the patient, about 60% of the time they will fill that, that prescription, which means that 40% of the time they're not. Hmm. Um, That's and, an incredible number. And for, 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 for chronic patients on, that have diabetes, that have you know, hypertension, uh, if you're not on those medications managing that problem, That's guess, life or death. guess what? You're yeah. going to have a, a problem going forward. So this group actually brought in um, two pharmacists um, and the pharmacist, you know, from their office, called the patients, ra- I mean, like every day saying, how are you doing? How many pills do you have left? Their medication adherence rates went from the national average around 60 up to 94%. Wow. Man, so these, these doctors are really knowing their patients then. That's right. What do I do as a patient to bring these costs down? So there are a lot of new models that are, that are coming out. Uh, and there's a lot of innovation occurring. It, you may not see a whole lot of it. And sometimes it's difficult to scale. But um, let me give you one example uh, of, a, of a new model called direct primary care. Uh, it's a membership model for mm-hmm. primary care services. I'm on the national board of, a, uh, of, the, of an organization. I actually go to a direct primary care doctor. And the relationship that he and I have entered into I pay him $79 a month cash uh, for all of my primary care. No co-pays, no deductibles. I can get in and see him 
um, same day. You know, wow. I can I can text him. I can email him. So insurance him. is out of this. Thing. Insurance is completely out of it. See, people think this is just for rich people, but it, the the costs are not what they were in the beginning. That's right. I mean, you know, you started out with concierge medicine, which you know might be a you know rich guy in San Francisco that pays you know ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars a year to have somebody on call. Um, the the interesting thing about direct primary care is. Um, when you look at a physician that practices in a third-party model, which is what you described, uh, you know, contracting with an HMO or PPO, they generally have five to six staff per doctor mm. doing administrative junk that adds no value to mm. to that doctor's practice. So they're filing claims, they're they're doing prior authorizations, they're um, chasing claims, just administrative junk. In about seventy-two percent of a primary care doctor's uh, overhead goes to to that, to that administrative stuff. Um, My doctor, because he does not take insurance, um, uh, his overhead has dropped to 18%. So his overhead is his MA, his rent, and his medical liability coverage. So you pay 79 a month. What if you go in, though, you have to have tests done or something's wrong with you? Does your insurance pay then, or do you still pay out of pocket there? So um, in the contract that I entered into with my doctor, mm-hmm. uh, there is a list of services that are included for that $79 a month. It's transparent. I know what it is, and I know if I'm going to have to pay more. So interestingly, um, uh, I could use my insurance if I wanted to, but I don't have to. Uh, and let me give you an example. Uh, so I've got a chronic back problem that flares up about you know once a year, um, uh, and it and it did recently. And you know, I said I want to have an MRI to make sure that I'm not doing anything that's um, uh, that's you know worse than than you know than where it's at right now. And he said, okay, well, do you want to use your insurance? I said, well, I don't know. Why don't you tell me um, uh, what's, what what's what's a better deal? You're yeah. shopping around. So, okay. so that's right. So he said, okay, well, you know, I gave him all my information. He said, look, if you if you go over to this freestanding. Uh, imaging center, it's going to cost you $500 to use your insurance because, again, I've got an $8,000 deductible. Right. You know, I hadn't used any of it. Um, so that's $500 out of my pocket or my HSA to pay for it. Right. He said, look, if, if you go over to this imaging center and you don't use insurance and you pay cash, it's going to be $325. What do you so, do exactly? So, you know, I went over, I went to $325, I got a copy of the receipt and I filed it with my insurance company. And they counted some portion of that toward ah. my deductible, but that work was on me. It was not on the physician's office or another entity that, that charges you more because of that administrative cost. And you can't get rid of your insurance. What if you're in a car wreck? You need that catastrophic coverage at least. That's right. And you'll so, want to have your deductible you know, showing that you've paid something over something. the years. So when you're in your situation, as you say, you just present that receipt to the insurance company and you're at least meeting some of that deductible as you go. That's right. Um, you know, and there are there are more and more models like this and, and others that are coming out that really question the value of, you know, that 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 seven thousand dollars a month that, that i'm paying for my employees quick pro tip here by the way my kids had to have their wisdom teeth pulled and you know what dental insurance is like yeah. you know uh so uh they ended up asking if they could file it on the medical insurance because it's considered a surgical procedure and we're like well they're not going to cover it and they go exactly they're not going to cover it they deny it and then your dental insurance pays the portion the thing we didn't know though was that what the the rest that we had to pay uh the, that met our deductible on the medical side. Even though the medical, ah. if they deny it 
and you end up having to pay some out of pocket, that goes toward your deductible. So make sure they file it with your medical insurance if you're doing dental stuff. And another quick pro tip my doctor told me about is an app you can download called GoodRx. It's a yellow app. It says GoodRx on it. You're shaking and your head, Tom. It, it's great. You've heard of this. I have. It's It essentially you know, tells you, you know, for, for any medication, you can, it shows you how much it costs at any pharmacy or, or grocery store anywhere around you. So it's like Gas Buddy, but for prescriptions. For prescriptions. I'm sorry, I've got gas on the mind still. You need to get some more gas for <laughs> so you. So it compares here, for you? Or are there, do you see differences? You, you, you type in like a cholesterol medication, and it'll show you that, you know, Walgreens has it for X amount. CVS has it for this. Kroger has it for this. HEB has it for this. You'd be surprised hmm. the, the differences in prices across the street from each other. It's crazy. So if you're going in for your own care or if you have a family member going in for care, you almost have to take on a second job of becoming the advocate, becoming the person who questions everything, becoming the person who uh, shops around. You can't just take what's being shoved down your throat. Which is why everybody likes the concept of Medicare for all, because government's going to do it. And, and, at the, and the, we have we have folks coming in to what say hello. What are we talking about? Healthcare. Do you healthcare. Have, do you have it? Do you have health insurance? Okay. Like, yeah. who are who, y'all? Totally. I know who you are. <laughs> we're, we're with WFAA. I, I, yes. I'm with this guy right here. We're and the two Jasons. Are. I'm the other Jason. It's easy. Uh, and, and and this is Tom. This and is Tom. He is with the healthcare for who? Like, health, all of us. Yeah, healthcare for okay. all. Yeah. I'm totally. Uh, y'all all me. I'm totally. Are you satisfied with do, your healthcare? Yeah. Do you have any healthcare issues? Do you really want? Do you, I, you're coming to us. You so yeah, you, you came to us. You got to answer these you gotta, questions. You got to step on. up to the mic here. She's got a story to tell. I'll totally be honest. Are y'all drinking? All right. Yeah, we are. We're having one beer. Just one. What what do you want to be honest? So about? so what what's your health care like? I'm gonna be I'll be per I'll be dead honest with you. We don't carry health care. Right now we pay cash if we go to the doctor or whatever. Because we don't get we don't we don't have a lot of health issues. That's and radical. I can afford a wellness visit or my daughter needs a physical or now we have a high deductible we have a catastrophic plan. Well that plan. was my question. Okay. Yes. What happens if you're yes. in a car wreck? No, we have a catastrophic plan. The the healthcare like with copays and all that was twelve thousand dollars a year. How much are you listening to these candidates who keep talking about healthcare right now? How big of a deal is it for you in twenty twenty? Do you do you want me to tell you who I'm voting I want for? All I mean honesty. I, I mean I listen to all of them, but I mean I know I've worked in the healthcare industry and I know what I pay and I but I, I know what I can save and I know what I can afford on my own. And when we go to the doctor, I go to the urgent care. If I can go to the urgent care and spend $90 or whatever and get my antibiotics or whatever, we pay cash for that. It's totally worth it. And then we invest the rest of it. What's your name? Yeah. Mine? Yeah. My name is Jerry. Jerry? What's your yes. last name? Lyons. I can ex- I can do my own my own health expenses and my own... Do GoodRx. Do GoodRx.com. <laughs> this is like no. a commercial we, we for just, GoodRx. We just talked about I GoodRx. Totally just, I don't know. I have so, no idea do, what you just Do you have the app? The GoodRx app? I totally app? do. And Am I, I the only one at the table no, who doesn't have this app yet? I walk into CVS. They normally do it for me. But totally. Do GoodRx. And it, that, but the fact that you can use an app that any of us can for free, and you can drop your one medication, cost $30, $40, that. Yeah, okay, that tells you there's something something going on, guys. But the fact that it's there tells you something. Jerry, so, I'm glad you stopped by yeah. to talk well, to us. No, I, 
Yay! Yeah. She's getting. She has Jerry, her own cheering audience here. Please. This is Stephanie. This is Stephanie. This is, Hi, Stephanie. I saw you guys. I'm like, I'm gonna be real quiet. Yeah, I, you, you're, you're, know, you're quiet. You I, walked right over to us, Jerry. I totally knew. All I have you a feeling guys. you're not very I'm quiet, not. Jerry. And, and like you just this, walked in. You haven't had any beer yet, have you? Not yet in this place. No, okay. All right. All right. That's a qualified answer. All right. Not yet. Jerry, thank you. Well, let me ask Tom a question because what we just heard from Jerry is, and what you did too. You're taking your costs into your own hands. Mm-hmm. Jerry did. You talked about it before as well. That's how you're going to save money on health care because we can't wait on the lawmakers to do this. So is that how like. this is going to be solved? That, that all of us almost, it's like guerrilla warfare out there that we have to rely on these places, these incubators across the state that are getting it right or doing it ourselves because we can't rely on politicians anymore? You know, <clears throat> predicting the future is a hard thing to do, right? Um but I think that when you look at, at health care, uh, it's, it's almost like the civil rights movement. It's a, it's a, it's a social uprising. People are getting uh, to the point where it's hurting their families. Uh, and that forces a political reaction. Um, remember what I talked about, you know, that um, the, the, the first rule of politics is to get reelected. Um, you know, politics also is reactive. It's not proactive. So until a crisis occurs that forces them to take a potentially career-ending vote, Nothing's going to happen. Some but would I, say we're in the crisis, but, but, though. But no, I, we're, we're not. Not yet. Um, because it gets we, worse. Because we, we've been able to get by thus far, most of us. Tom, uh, I appreciate you uh, you know, having a beer with us and laying this out for us. And, and Jerry just rolled in here and, and bombed us with all this great information. I can't believe all the stuff you know about your own coverage, yeah. Jerry. I, I don't even know what you know, my deductible limits are. I probably should know, clearly. Thanks for crashing the party. That yeah. was great. No, I'll, I'll, tra- I'll trade a mic with you anytime. Or sh- I'll, tra- I'll share a mic Please. with you anytime. Yes, I'll buy you a beer. You trade me your mic. <laughs> he right. can only have one. And uh, he's already spilled one here, so oh. we're on the second one. Yikes. Uh, I guess that's it for this week because I need to go so that I can go download GoodRx. I had no idea. I'm the only ignorant one at the table. And and at the CVS counter, they will say, can you show us the the code? And they will totally put it in, and you will totally save some money. I'm going to do this today. That's okay. Jerry says totally a lot. I did, but I really don't. It is a great great app to have, and uh, we'll have a link to it at WFAA.com slash Yolitics if you want to find out what this is that everyone's talking about. So thanks for listening. We appreciate uh, you guys joining us this week. All right, so Jerry crashed us and had the questions for us, but we want to know what you guys are talking about. Whether it's healthcare, whether it's election 2020, Super Tuesday. Give us a shout. We have a special Yolitics hotline set up. Here's the phone numbers. 214-509-8156. And we will be dropping another episode for you on Super Tuesday morning. Get out there and vote.